Praise the Lord, amen. Um, so, if we get done by 12.30, we'll be doing great. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Zion, I just cannot begin to tell you how wonderful you are and how much of a blessing it has been to me and my wife and our family to be here. I never in my life would have imagined that God would call us back home from Virginia uh, when things the way they were going and life the way it was leading and, and following and trusting the Lord. I never would have imagined that He would have called us home. Never would have began to even imagine that God would call us to come back here and to sit and to receive and to get to know you all again and to live life alongside of you and to uh, cry with you and to uh, smile with you and work those wonderful barbecues alongside of you and all the great things that we have done. Um, I never would have imagined that. and Never. But I am blessed. Keith says something all the time, and you've heard him say this. He's got a lot of things that he says, like one-liners that are really good. I do hope I, I'm going to steal them, so uh, I'm just telling you now. I already steal them, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, he says that when you ask them, ask Pastor Keith about how he's doing, and you know what I'm about to say, he always says, blessed more than I deserve, right? He's blessed beyond measure, and he's more than he deserves. And I definitely feel that way. I definitely feel that way. From the moment we came back home, you've loved on us. You have been through us with two of, the, of our adoptions. Pray for us as we go for our third. And I also want to say how blessed I am to get to serve alongside of my dad and my mom and my brother and my cousins. And uh, I don't, that's not lost on me. And get to serve alongside of my Sunday school teachers, alongside of uh, Miss Renee, Bible school, um, and Buddy, and shooting darts at your house, and Nerf guns, I should say. And uh, wow. I like that song, Count Your Many Blessings, Count Them One by One. Amen. In the busyness of life and, and things that happen, sometimes we forget to count our blessings. And Zion Baptist, you have blessed me. So my prayer for you, Zion, is going forward that you continue doing what you've always done. You continue being that light. I grew up under some wonderful preaching. Pastor May, good to see you here today. Thank you for that. The youth leaders, Jim and Melvina, and many, many others. And, and I don't, to name some, I'm not leaving that out and you know my heart. I have been blessed. And then our students, where you guys are, you've loved on us. We've had a wonderful time at Caswell from Chicago to uh, working those barbecues and everything and all things in between, visiting our shut-ins. I love doing that. I have been blessed. So this morning I want us to open up the Word of God. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 11 beginning in verse number 19. And I want to go ahead and give you the topic of my message today. And that is four things that are present within a true disciple. Four things that are present within a true disciple. This morning, as we open up God's Word and we look at it, I pray, first off, that we will look at God's Word in truthfulness and with transparency knowing that God's goal is for us to be conformed into the image of Christ, knowing that we are to be rearranged, that we are to be changed to ultimately look like Him. Amen. So if you will, open up your Bibles and turn with me now to Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. And the Bible says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose from Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. 
And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he had came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. And he encouraged them that with all purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. He was, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and he found him. He brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. This morning, as we think on what things should be present within a true disciple, I want to begin with this very direct statement. You can't be something that you're, you can't train people to be. You can't be something that you're not. If you do not know Jesus, then you can't tell people about Jesus. If you don't have the love of Christ within your heart and act in forgiveness and grace and mercy, then you can't define what that looks like. You can't explain what that looks like. You can't show other people what that looks like because if you don't have it, how can you do that? So this morning, as we open up God's words, let us be truthful with ourselves, even if it hurts. And let us be transparent with where we find ourselves and what we find. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open up your word. We thank you, God, that you are loving, that, God, you are kind, but that, God, you also challenge us and you call us to change. That, Lord, you don't want us to be the same yesterday as today, God. You want us to be more and more like your son, Jesus. And today, God, I pray that, Lord, I would decrease. I pray that, Lord, you would increase. I pray that, God, we would have the ears to hear the mind to understand, the heart to receive what, God, you have for us. We thank you today. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first thing that must be present within a true disciple's life is the ability to see things. The ability to see specifically God at work. Amen. That must be present within a true disciple to see God no matter the circumstances. No matter the situations, no matter what life throws at you. Because if you've lived any length of time, you know that life is unexpected. You know that it comes with curveballs. You know that it comes with uh, things that you haven't planned for. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were mapping out their life, like the next five years. And to me, that's never turned out too well because God just changes that, right? Yes, you can have your goals and there's nothing wrong with that, but you should be prepared for God to do the unexpected. You should be prepared for God to say, you know what? I need you to go here. I need you to talk to that person. Whatever that may look like, God is in control. And a true disciple should see that. You know, sometimes when uh, I think of Christians and I think of our walk with Christ, uh, I know with my little ones, they're gone now. Uh, but boy, that one was talking earlier. Good gracious. We leave for a week and he comes back and he's a chatterbox. And uh, my little Jonah. Anyway, I like, to, I like to pick with my kids. And so I'll get them up and I'll spin them and shake them and do all this stuff, not after they've eaten. But we'll, we'll play and we'll go in circles and all that. Good. i got to make you all smile. Good gracious. Come on. Uh, we'll spin around and do all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, after you get done spinning, what do the children do? They're like, like this, right? And sometimes our walk with Christ, we kind of feel like that, do we not? Things happen and then all of a sudden... We don't know what to do. We're shaken. We're moved. We're not settled. We're not firmly planted. 
And as a Christian, we must see that no matter what takes place, no matter what the doctor tells us has happened, no matter what our bank account looks like, no matter what the job situation looks like, no matter what the home situation looks like, if you know Christ, then your feet are planted firmly on Christ, on the Word of God, and it doesn't, He can't be shaken. He can't be moved. He has never let a single person falter. He's never let a single person down. That is the God that we serve. And as Christians, we ought to act like we know that and act like we believe that. So when the world sees what's happening on us on the inside, when the world sees what's going on in our financial situation or our family situation or the work situation, they see that we're not moved like the other people are. They see that we have faith in Christ evidenced on the outside of something that's taking place on the inside, amen? That's what a true disciple looks like. Where's Waldo? Crossword puzzles. Things like that cause you to really look at things, right? To really analyze things. I love going to see Miss Vera because when I do, she'll always tell me about her crossword puzzles. And she will show me what she's done, the work that she's done. I'm going to tell you all something. That's hard work to look at those things and to find those words. And it takes a dedicated mind, a focused mind to look at those things and to pick those things out. And as Christians, we've got to know what we're looking for, amen? We've got to be able to see clearly those things which matter. Rainex does a wonderful things for cars, does it not? It causes that rain to fall back. And I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit's a lot better than Rainex when it comes to life, amen? It's a lot better than Rainex. You know, God, He changes the landscape of any situation. He changes what's happening on the outside, what's happening on the inside. God changes that, but we have to see that. You know, sometimes I believe uh, as, as Christians that our vision can be off because we like that milk too much. We like that milk too much. But God's not called you to drink milk forever, folks. God's called you to get into the meat of the Word of God. Listen, we have some people, and, and I say this with love, some people who come to church and they say they've known Jesus for 50 years, but they can't communicate the gospel. Or they can't walk in Christian love, or they can't walk in forgiveness, or they can't do these things. But as Christians, at some point, we have to tie up our, uh, lace up our shoes, we have to pull up, put our belt on a little tighter than before, suck in the gut, and, 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 and have faith and trust God in what He's called us to do, and to be that light and to be that example. We must see clearly. We must see clearly. There's a lot of things that can get us distracted. But what must we see? We must see how God works. Do you know that God works through persecution? He does. That's one way God works. If you go back in Acts chapter 7, you see that Stephen is stoned. Jesus has been crucified. The Holy Spirit has fallen. The gospel is, being, is exploding upon the scene here in Jerusalem. Things are going great. And then all of a sudden, Stephen, a deacon, a man called out to serve, is killed. Now you talk about how that made them feel. You talk about how that could have potentially taken the wind out of their sail just like that. How would we respond if someone came in here right now and shot somebody dead just for believing in Christ? That's happening all across the world. And here in America, when we don't have a president who believes the way we do or a Congress that believes the way that we do or a Senate that believes the way or a judicial system, whatever that means, we feel that how can there be light? How can there be hope? But there's people all across the world that there is no president in power. There is no king on the throne. There is nothing that they can see naturally, but yet they still believe and they still trust and it still doesn't stop them 
from taking the gospel to the people who they come in contact with. I was reading a book from David Platt, and he was talking about church planters down in Cuba and how the Holy Spirit convicted him and talking about sending churches. He said uh, that he would go to these pastors, these little home churches where they'd have 40 to 50 people there, and he would hear these pastors say, you know what, we've not planted a church in X amount of time. We've got to do better. We've got to be better. We've got to be more minded. And then all of a sudden he'd go to another church planter's home and they'd say the same thing and they'd say the same thing and the other and the same and same and same. They understood that people needed to hear the gospel. That's what they saw. They didn't see retirement. They didn't see 401ks. They didn't see the next five years. They saw the people that were in front of them and they understood that they needed to hear the gospel. And folks, that's what we have to be. That's what we have to do is to see things clearly. Because it doesn't matter who's in the presidential office, who's in the White House. It doesn't matter what political party is in charge. God is still on the throne. Period. And we have to see that. We have to believe that. He's never late. He doesn't fall behind. He's not playing catch up. He's not trying to, he doesn't, you know, like when you're watching TV, now you've got this TiVo thing, right? Or this Paul's live TV. So if you want to make you a sandwich while you can do that or go to the restroom, whatever it is you feel you need to do, you can do that. God doesn't pause this landscape of the world and say, hold on a second while I catch up and get back on track. God doesn't lose control. He is on the throne. Who does he use? He uses here in verse number, did you capture what, what he says in verse number 20? But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who had, when they come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists preaching Jesus. We don't know who these men are. Their name is not written on the back of a pew. It's not written in a hymnal. It's not in some kind of plaque on some church in Antioch down in uh, the, the Middle Eastern part of the world. We don't know who they are, and that's okay. You know, oftentimes we seek out acknowledgement. Oftentimes we desire recognition. But I'm going to tell you all something. We don't know whose they are, but we know where they were recorded at, amen. So that tells us the quality of their heart, and that tells us what was important to them, and that was making the gospel known. God uses regular people. He uses you and I. And sometimes we discredit ourselves. Sometimes we strike ourselves out before we ever even get up to the plate. Why is that? Now, I'm going to be honest and let's be brutal for just a moment. Part of that is because we just don't want to do it. We just have no desire. We've got more important things to do. I've got to get to the ball game. I've got to get to here. I've got to go to this place. Other times, we have... Well, it just doesn't matter to us. Not only do we have no desire, but it doesn't matter to us. But then not only that, we're lazy. We just don't want to put in the work. Listen, school is hard. Learning how to read and write is difficult. And you've got to teach those kids with those little ones. You've got to teach them how to do that. And while we come together, while we open up God's Word, is so that we would learn how to have faith. We would learn what it means to believe in Christ, what it means to have uh, extend grace and forgiveness when those people are ugly to us and rude to us, what it means to trust in Jesus when all things are falling apart. That's why God has given us His Word, so that we would know. But yet we, if we don't utilize that knowledge, what, what is it doing for us? We must see clearly that God uses lay people for all people. Amen. We must see that. We must realize that. Have you ever heard anybody pray, God send more workers or God send uh, uh, more money to the building fund? God send more Sunday school teachers. God send this. God, you do this and God do that. Have you ever wondered that maybe you're the answer to your prayer? Right? God, we need more teachers. Well, Lord, help me to study 
to show myself approved so that I can help in the youth group or that I can help in the children's ministry. God, help give me the boldness, Lord, to communicate my prayer so that when it comes to praying, I can stand and I can pray before the people. Or even better, God, so that when my coworker, who I know is hurting, broken, and confused, can ask me what's going on in your life, I can communicate that. Folks, that's simple. Sometimes we try to make the gospel complicated. We try to make it complex. But as Pastor Keith said a moment ago, preach the word. That's what we are all called to do. This were some unknown men, but there was an undeniable mission that they had. That undeniable mission was to make Jesus known. It didn't matter where they were placed. It didn't matter what was going on. They made Jesus known to those around them. You know, when I was... uh, a young man, actually even coming here, I used to play uh, guitar and, and still try to, and uh, I would switch out my guitars all the time. I would switch them out. I'd trade them out. I'd have a Fender one week. I'd have a uh, knock off another guitar the other week. I'd, I was just trying to get some kind of better instrument because I felt like if I had the better instrument, then I would be a better player. And my uncle told me something when I was younger because he played the guitar. He said, when your skill exceeds that of your instrument, then it's time for you to upgrade to get a new instrument. And sometimes we feel, as Christians, well, that if we can get better equipment, if we can get better things, if we can get better whatever that looks like, well, then things will just automatically be better. But that's not true, y'all. It's got to start inside. Listen, you can have the finest church with the best equipment, with the prettiest walls and the greatest carpet and the greatest uh, 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 iPads and, and, and all the other things and all in between. But if you don't know Christ, then all that stuff is going to fade away. It's going to break. It's going to tear down. It's going to need to be replaced. But if we don't have the truth of God within us on the inside, ready to go out of us, then what good is any of that stuff? It's no different than the world. No different than the world. Seeing Clearly, seeing clearly. I want to make I want us to be clear about this one thing, friends. That we should make no mistake about it. That God is at work in our communities. Whether you see him or not, he's at work in your families, whether you realize it or not, he's at work in your finances, whether you realize it or not. And how do I know that? Because you're there. Because you're there. And if you know Christ, there is a responsibility to make him known. There's a responsibility to lead others to do the same thing. 1 Timothy 2 and 15 says this, that we should do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightfully handling the truth. Rightfully handling the truth. True disciples not only must see, but they must be doers of the word. They must be doers. They must be willing to get out there and get their hands dirty. Get out there and have conversations. Get out there and and, and love on people, even though it's hard. I've said this many times, and you may have heard me say this. Loving on some people is like loving on sandpaper. It just hurts, and it's difficult, and you don't want to do it. But praise God, he didn't look at you and I like sandpaper. Amen? Just a little bit higher. Actually, a lot higher. Praise the Lord. See, I want you to see here in verse number 22, doers. It begins with the church right here. Then the news of the things came to the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas. It's the sending church. It was a sending body of believers. 
Barnabas had proven himself. If you go back into chapter number 4, you see he's shown as a compassionate giver. He gives to the body. He helps meet the need because of what God has given to him. And then in Acts chapter number 8, you see, or not, excuse me, you see him standing with Saul, who was the great persecutor of the Christian people. Now he stands alongside of him before the apostles, and he is saying, hey, I've heard this message, and I've seen the change in his life. He is there as a credible witness for Saul. This is who Barnabas is. This is who they send. In church, we ought to be a sending church. We ought to be a body of believers. Not only do we equip, we get them prepared to send. Praise the Lord for Tommy and Keith, those cub, those who went to Indonesia. I can't wait to hear about more people that are going across the world and taking the gospel to those people that need to hear it. But sometimes, I want to say this, we think, well, yes, it's good for Tommy or other people to go to these places. But then what about you being called to your work on Monday morning at 8 o'clock? What about you called, you being called to your family when we go home from church today? It's the same thing. Pastor Keith and I have heard this message many times uh, by Vody Bauckham. It's uh, called, in the title of it, it's called The Forgotten Mission Field, The Family as the Forgotten Mission Field. Huh. Families are okay. They can do what they want to do. Mm-mm. No, this was a sending church. We must be a sending people, but we must be a believing people. Barnabas himself went up and got up and gone and went. That's what he did. He was willing to go. And as the body of Christ, true disciples are willing to go. They don't just see the need and say, hey, somebody ought to meet that need. They themselves are a part of meeting that need. Amen. That's what they do. That's what believers do. A true disciple does. He doesn't just say it, but he participates in it. He exhorts them in chapter number, or in verse number 23, we see there, just walking through the scripture, that he came and he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and he encouraged them that with all purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. We have elections coming up and there's going to be all kind of people encouraging you and exhorting you, telling you, you ought to vote for this person. You ought to vote for that person and what have you. But I want to ask us, when is the last time we have exhorted anyone for Christ to the things of God. When is the last time we have urgently conveyed any kind of message to somebody, whether it be a lost person or it be a, a person who believes anything dealing with Christ? For the lost person, you always have something to say, dear friend, and that is this, you need Jesus. Let me tell you how you can find him. Let me tell you what he's done for them. You know, sometimes people say, and I said this Sunday when we were in Chicago, sometimes some of us say, I have nothing to say to anyone. I don't have anything to say. You know, sometimes we can come into church, not Zion, but uh, some churches, you can come in there and they won't speak to one another. They have nothing to say. And it's heartbreaking. As a Christian, you always have something to say. Well, I'm not a talkative person. That's all right. You still have something to say. Amen? You always have something to say. To the lost person, you need Christ. To the found person, keep pursuing Christ. You always have something to say. The question is, are you willing to open your mouth and say it? Because when we open our mouths, that's a part of that doing part. That's a part of that difficult part. It's a part of exposing us. It's hard. It hurts. It can have pushback. There can be blowback. But it's what we're called to do. We're called to be doers, but we're also called, a true disciple must be. There must be that internal integrity, that internal truth that is centered upon the Word of God that can only be seen, felt, and found through personal devotion to Him. Not found just on Sunday mornings, not found just on Wednesday nights, not found on an occasional Wednesday night happenstance that you just 
My schedule works out right, so I'm going to show up. No, it comes every day from reading the Word of God. It comes every day from praying to God. It comes every day from explaining the truth of God to the people of God, but also those people who don't believe in God. That's what it means to be a true disciple, that you can speak on the outside what you believe on the inside. Amen? That's what it means. It's got to have something that's happening internally. I believe old Barnabas experienced some amazing grace And therefore, he wanted to share that amazing grace. Barnabas was a strategic person picked to go to Antioch. Make no question about it. He wasn't somebody who was rigid in the law. He was someone who could see what was happening, and he wanted to be a part of that. And he wanted to encourage them. In verse number 26, you'll see the Bible says that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. First called Christians. You know who they were called Christians by? The outside world. Jesus says that you will know, the world will know that you are my disciples by the love, by the love that you have for one another. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to love people. And that love is not an empty love. It starts from the internal realization and the internal acknowledgement that Jesus Christ loved you first. If you don't grab hold of that truth, that God loves you first, then how can you truly love? If we don't grab hold of the truths of God's word, that that he loved us, he sent Jesus Christ for us, then how can we truly operate in forgiveness? It'll be a shell. We'll be like a whitewashed tomb. And if we're being honest today, remember we said in the beginning to examine ourselves with truthfulness and transparency, a true disciple sees that God is in control. A true disciple does as God tells him to do, as the word of God tells him to do. A true disciple is who God has called him to be, and that is a person of honor and integrity. The Bible says that Barnabas was a man full of faith, the Holy Spirit. He was a good man. And then finally, a true disciple realizes that you can't do it by yourself. You are not called to do this work by yourself. It's too great. It's too big. So what does that mean for you and I? That we have the privilege to serve Christ together. Amen. Don't forsake that. Don't discount that. Don't minimize that. It is a great blessing to get to serve Christ with brothers and sisters. Amen. So that when you're weight and you're weighted down and things are heavy in your heart and your life, that you can call upon one another, that you can lean upon one another. I'm going to tell you all something. One of the most amazing things to see take place is that barbecue and how you all come together for that. That is what it looks like. Leaning, looking, laughing. Loving, smiling, picking, poking, all those things in between. That's what it means. They're going to notice those things. It's going to draw their attention. The world's going to say, why are they so happy? How are they able to do all that they do? And there is your opportunity to speak. There is your opportunity to say something. So this morning, as we close, I want us to ask ourselves, as we look through the filter, through the lens of God's holy word, What does a true disciple look like? What does my vision look like? How am I seeing things? What am I willing to do about the things that I see? Internally, where am I found? Someone full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. And do I understand not only that I need God, or not only do I need others, I need God in all that I say, in all that I do, 
and in all that I am. If you will stand with me now, the altar's open. If you need prayer or want to pray, we're here and we'll do that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings you've given us. Lord, thank you for this powerful message, Lord, to let us to be a true disciple for you. Help us to be a witness wherever we might go. Help us to share the gospel wherever we might go. Lord, it's our own testimony that we share that what you've done in each one of our lives. Lord, I just want to lift your name up on high today. Bless the food to our bodies and the hands who's prepared that food. Lord, I just pray that we can go forth tomorrow and we can share what we've heard. Lord, I just ask you to just guide us and direct us in your word. Help us to feed on it, Lord Jesus, and we become stronger disciples every day. Forgive us where we fail you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.